This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. The Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles features a great matchup of two quarterbacks who are very much like jazz musicians on the field. Improvisational skills galore that lead to unexpected results. And my guest today knows all about improvisation and being a jazz musician and considered the jazz mayor of Kansas City. Bobby Watson sits among the pantheon of present-day jazz greats. His career now spans more than four decades. The multi-Grammy-nominated saxophonist, composer, band leader, educator, and producer joins us on Sports Jam. Bobby, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure to be here. It's, that's, a, that's kind of a unique situation for me uh, to be able to... Uh, be a part of this you know a lot of a lot of the cats when we uh talking on man bobby i didn't know you he was into sports like that you know well we can tell by your kansas city monarchs hat that you certainly have a passion for a lot of different sports baseball college basketball and today we're talking about the super bowl matchup your kansas city chiefs back in it again they're an amazing squad aren't they yes the, the third third appearances you know, it, it, it all started with uh, uh, the Chiefs going to the fourth round and snatching Patrick Mahomes because they've been watching him since he was in college. And uh, I know a lot of teams are regretting that, you know, because he's a, he's a generational talent. He certainly is. And, uh, you know, I was just talking to Kevin Eubanks about it this week. He's the Eagles fan. We had to have you on to represent the Chiefs, right? And yeah. we're talking, you know, we're talking about both these quarterbacks really are jazz-like because of the their amazing ability to make something out of nothing when you think of patrick mahomes if he was on the stage with you he probably would be able to go along with whatever you're doing right uh, yes i think so too <laughs> well even now he always brings something amazing uh to every game he plays you're gonna see some type of highlight you know even that super bowl he he lost. There's that iconic picture of him, like parallel in in the air, throwing. A lot of people are picking up on what he's doing. I think he's uh, been very transformative for the game, you know, uh, and for the position of quarterback. Kind of all started with Michael Vick and then RG three and whatnot, you know. But uh, yeah, we're pretty we're pretty excited about it. We're not talking too much trash, you know. Of all the greats that you've played with on stage who would remind you most of Jalen Hurts and that ability to just create something out of nothing I would say maybe the great late pianist uh, John Hicks or Walter Walter Davis Jr people like that there there are so many uh that's sort of the sort of the norm in uh, our field is to create something out of nothing that's kind of what we live for, you know. Uh, mistakes are the gateway to discovery, man. So it's like, you know, you just uh, you just try to make uh, lemonade out of lemons, man. And that's certainly what Patrick Mahomes is all about when he hooks up with Travis Kelsey uh, on the field. We expect them to be uh, dominant players in the Super Bowl on Sunday, just like uh, Jalen Hurts will be with his wide receivers. You have a big event coming up in March on Thursday, March 23rd through Sunday, March 26th.
Bobby Watson Quintet back home in Kansas City record release party that was supposed to really happen in 2022, but because of the circumstances that we're well aware of, it will be coming up this March. And of course, you're on alto saxophone, Wallace Roney Jr. on trumpet, Cyrus Chestnut on piano, Curtis Lundy on bass, and Victor Jones on drums. What? What a powerful team that is. I think that team could beat both the Chiefs and the Eagles combined. Yes. You know, I mean, there's so many storylines in the Super Bowl, you know. First time two black quarterbacks, uh, brother uh, against brother, Andy Reid playing uh, against his uh, old former team. You know, and he took them to the Super Bowl. They didn't make it, but... Uh, a lot of divisional championships. So it's a lot of uh, layers here, you know, and, and the same thing with, you know, with the band, uh, a lot of layers. I was very close with Wallace Roney Sr. And we played together many times. And then uh, I watched uh, w- uh, Wallace Jr. grow up and develop into this uh, uh, wonderful player. Uh, Victor Jones, we go way back. Of course, Curtis and I, we go way back to University of Miami, you know, in the uh, early 70s, you know, along with his sister, Carmen. And then Cyrus, we've uh, crossed paths several times and and have played together. So it's a lot of history on that stage. Speaking of history, what was it like for you at the University of Miami in the 70s? It was life-changing, Doug, because um, I was going to go to North Texas State, you know, coming from Kansas. I met Pat Matheny, and uh, we became friends, and I uh, I went to his house and hung out, spent a couple of nights there listening to records and stuff, and and he uh, went, went to the University of Miami, and he says, no, Bobby, you should come down here, you know, because they had the Miami Beach scene, and you know, I bought my first tuxedo there, and got a chance to do a lot of shows on the beach and met, met the Lundies. And Miami was all the uh, our professors uh, were professional playing musicians. They weren't just talking heads. They could demonstrate. And that was very powerful, you know, because they could demonstrate what they were talking about. And then uh, they would uh, hand us gigs that they couldn't do. And it was my first uh, time dipping my toe into a, a professional musician environment. Like I said, I bought my first tuxedo, joined a union, got a chance to play at uh, several hotels on Miami Beach, different shows. I did the Red Fox show. I did the Dells, other shows. You know, the the top shows are Henry Mancini back then, Frank Sinatra. Our teachers did those shows. But they would hand us down all the other shows that, you know, they didn't have time or couldn't make. So, you know, my first taste, that's when I had my first uh, six-night-a-week gig down there. And then I realized the importance of performing because I had been practicing my butt off, you know, uh, up until that time. But I grew faster in six months then all those years of just being in the, as we say, being in the shed, in the practice room, just working on stuff. But when you get a chance to uh, play in front of an audience, six nights a week, steady gig, uh, come back the next day, 
and and build on what uh, your maybe mistakes or things that you would like to do better and you get a chance to hit it the next night. Uh, my growth, uh, I grew tremendously uh, during during that period of time. You're talking about just what these players are going through on the field, right? They are learning because as they go and they are performers. Is that why there's such a synergy between musicians and athletes? So many of them that have come on the show and whether it be an artist will talk about, oh, I you know, I love to play or I watch the sports or an athlete will say, you know, I love to go watch Bobby Watson play. What is it about this synergy? Performers. A lot of it is a, a split second timing, you know, that you develop, you know, uh, when a quarterback uh, draws back and the timing between him and the receivers or just handing off the ball to a runner, you get that timing. A band is, it's like a team, you know, they, 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 uh, we come to recognize our body language. So if Bobby steps back, that means this, or we get that little eye contact, you know, like they say, uh, our art used to say, uh, you see with your ears and you hear with your eyes. So those other level situations come into play. And that's, comes from number one, playing with an organized band, which I learned from art, the power of that, and how not to get stagnant, you know, and still take chances. And number two is to trust the people that you're playing with and build on the, the history that you have together. Even if you don't get a chance to rehearse and you go to the stage, you know, you, you know the tendencies and 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 their moves, you know. So it's, I've, that's why I've always been fascinated in sports. How Michael Jordan would uh, control the clock at the end of the game, his tempo. You know, he wouldn't just rush down the, the court. He would just take his time. I was like, my gosh, this guy is like orchestrating, you know. And uh, you know, it's like this. Yeah, that's that's a great example. And you know, Bobby's talking about earning his doctorate as the musical director for Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And during his four-plus years with the legendary drummer, the saxophonist contributed to 14 Jazz Messengers recordings more than anyone else in the group's 35-year storied history from 55 to 90. So he knows all about what Art Blakey was all about. When you talk about seeing and knowing what you're doing, Patrick Mahomes does that with Travis Kelsey. You know, when he comes to the line of scrimmage, he's looking at his tight end and he's going, just be there, right? Just be there. I'm going to throw it over the middle. You're yeah. going to get open. I'm going to throw it in a spot where you can catch it. It's that magic. So I understand when you talk about, you know, performing on stage, it's just like they're going through. They get to know each other's tendencies, like you talked about, and it becomes magic. So what's the vibe for Kansas City Chiefs fans right now? Believe it or not, we're very subdued because, you know, this is our third time there. Uh, that first time was just elation, you know. We got over the hump. And then we went back the second year and just got scorched, sort of, you know. They just... And so now we get, we're fortunate to get a third time. 
So we're not going to talk too much smack, you know. Let's talk about the defensive line. Let's talk about the great defensive tackle, Chris Jones. I mean, he oh. almost he almost single-handedly won the game against the Bengals, chased oh. around Joe Burrow, and made the big play in the fourth quarter that really gave the Chiefs a chance to pull it out. That's Amazing it. way that the Chiefs were able to pull it out. When you think of, of Chris Jones, does he remind you from about anybody else in Chiefs history? Uh, Derek Thomas. The late Derek Thomas. Late Derek Thomas. Great that, linebacker. Chris Jones is a defensive tackle. But, you know, uh, linebacker, we got Willie Gay. I, I talked to my brother before this uh, interview because we call him Coach, man. He's, he's got a photographic memory going way back, you know, to Lynn Dawson. So I wanted to be able to mention some names, you know. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 uh, that outside pressure, inside pressure, be able to make the move, get to the quarterback, you know, make them scramble out of the pocket, you know, all that stuff is important. And we're going against a, for, a formidable team with uh, Philly, man. I mean, it's going to be a great game. I'll, you know, I'll be disappointed if it's not. Me too. I'm, I'm hoping that it will be a, a really exciting game because, you like, you know, you, you really never know, right? You never know what's going to happen. You never know what the, you know, the, the karma is for these games. But you mentioned Len Dawson. And to me, the Super Bowl that the Chiefs won behind Hank Stram, watching him on the sideline, that was one of the first times I think maybe ever that a coach was like recorded, had a microphone, yeah. was some of the funniest and exciting moments in Super Bowl history. You remember that, right? <laughs> yeah. The Chiefs are the champions of Pro Football. He's pretty much completely opposite of Andy Reid when you think about it. Yeah, and Andy's like uh, he, he's so understated. You don't realize the greatness of him, you know, because he's pretty even, you know. And I, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. You know, what is it about this guy? I think he lets, I think he lets his players. Uh, it's, he's kind of like a band leader, you know. What is this guy's strength? How can I uh, illuminate his strengths to make him be the best that he can be? You know, it's like uh, I was just up in uh, some Chadron, Nebraska, which I never even knew existed. And we were going through the rehearsal with the faculty combo, and I had some songs that I brought. But then when we started to play them, I said, no, that one's not going to work. You know, well, this isn't going to work, you know. So I think he's kind of like a, a maestro, and he he figures out his cast of characters and what do they do best and how can I let them open up and be the best they can be. I, th I think that's his gift, you know. He doesn't have a, you know, I'm this kind of guy. I'm a, you know, he understands the whole game of football and the uh, cast of characters because, you know, after Tyreek Hill left, everybody thought we were going to be sunk, you know. But Andy, you know, he he watches everybody and he goes, yeah, do that again. Because <laughs> sometimes in a band, you know, you go, he'll do something and they think, and you go, no, 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 keep that in, keep that in, you know. <laughs> so he's kind of like that, you know. He's got that artistic side of him, which uh, from, from being a musician, I recognize. 
he's got a, a great coaching staff too that he has oh, assembled, right? Yeah, the enemy. You know, yeah, Eric Bieniemy has done a fabulous job with the with the Chiefs, and he'll probably get a head coaching job sometime in the near future. When you think about Andy Reid, first of all, very funny in his latest commercial where he's drawing on all the players. Oh, I love things, that one. Right, yeah. it's a different side of Andy Reid that we, you know, we, we know, like you said, he's very kind of cerebral in his approach sometimes, but it, that's a lot of fun. You know, I, I also want to think about some of the other sports that that you you know that you love and. As I look at that Kansas City Monarchs hat that you're wearing, you're always stylish, by the way. I always love your look. You. <laughs> and and when you when you look at that hat, what does that hat mean to you? Uh, the Kansas City Monarchs, uh, they were like a dynasty. A dynasty. I mean, uh, and the uh, they were like the uh, uh, the power league. The monarchs, you know, uh, Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill. I think uh, Jackie played with them for a minute, you know. Mm. But it's like, uh, and also uh, Satchel Page. I mean, that was a hub for Negro League baseball, and a lot of players came out of that. They were kind of parallel to the major leagues. Oh yes. Absolutely. With the talent they had, you know, and, and maybe and maybe better than a lot of the teams. You know, I'm saying maybe better, you right. know, yeah. And because of the times, and you know, I I know that a lot of the Negro Leagues players on the off season, they maybe play uh, down in uh, Latin America, you know, and 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 sometimes they put these teams together and they play against the Cats in the major leagues, barnstorming and stuff like this. You know, and uh, the history here, we have a Negro League Museum here, too. Yes, so. you do. And it's and a I, wonderful museum. And I knew Buck O'Neill, you know, he was a great jazz fan and beautiful person. And so I have a personal connection to the, the Monarchs and uh, Buck. I have a couple signed baseballs here from him, a couple pictures that he signed, you know, a couple for my son. and. He was a great ambassador and just a, a beautiful human being, which part of that sport, uh, the sport then was being an ambassador to all people. So he was like, you know, greeting, you know, and uh, as you know, Doug, you know, a lot of the rookies that come into the league, they have this finishing school where they get the older cats that come in and talk to them how to deal with the public. And that's kind of the same way it was with me and our Blakey. He taught me how to deal with the public, you know, how to accept compliments, uh, how to sign autographs, how to be gracious, uh, things like this that go along with the game. And mine is a game of music. And uh, so these uh, great people were uh, role models for, uh, the young cats, and uh, it, it was just a shame that, you know, it didn't happen sooner, but it did happen with Jackie. And, you know, actually, I think they wanted Satchel to be the first one, you know. Could you imagine Satchel Page in his 20s pitching in the major leagues, right? Not his 40s, his 20s. 
his twenties. How dominant he 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 would have been. And I'm so glad you mentioned Buck O'Neill because, as you can see behind me, I have tons of sports memorabilia. But one yes. of my favorites is when Buck came to Newark and he signed a program for me. It, it's one of my most treasured, uh, you know, items uh, that I have. And God has finally got his due being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Long overdue. Oh. And they finally got it right when they started to understand just how great these players were. A lot of people think that Josh Gibson was the best player that ever lived, and many people never got to see him perform. College basketball, Kansas is a big thing for you. Tell us a little bit about that. Rock chalk, baby. <laughs> oh, man. It's really great, exciting, you know, going back to uh, Will Chamberlain, you know. Uh, so many stars came out of there. In fact, uh, my man with uh, Embiid was a Jayhawker, you know, with Philadelphia, Danny Manning. It's always been a powerhouse in the basketball field, you know, and it's it's fun. I, I remember that season we went undefeated, you know, that was – we just knew we were going to roll through and got kicked out in the first round, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking out. about. You never know, right? Same never know. The Super Bowl, you I never mean, know. The bounce of the ball, you know, the little roll this way or that way can make the whole difference, you know. And we always get kicked out by uh, a team that starts with a B. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call it March Madness, right, Bobby? Yeah, I love it. I love it. We're here with Bobby Watson here on Sports Jam having some fun. How about a prediction for the Super Bowl? Can you tell us what the score will be and who's coming out on top? I would say a three-point or it's either going to be like 27, 24 Chiefs, uh, something like this, you know, 37, you know, 29. Or the Chiefs are going to build up at least – a uh, 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, which is what we're hoping for. Hopefully a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And hopefully Buck Bucker doesn't miss any field goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another thing you never know, right? <laughs> it could come down to a field goal. <laughs> it could come down to a field goal, man. But it's, it's, I, I'm hoping it's going to be a real nail-biter. I've already bought... An extra bottle of Tums, man. You know. <laughs> now, where will you watch the game? I'm going to my brother Ryan's house, and uh, we're going to have a Super Bowl party over at his house. You know, it's it's so funny. I had a, a couple of invitations just just for a generic Super Bowl party, but then once we got in, my brother said, "Let's have a Super Bowl party." So I had to turn down them other invitations. I'm going to my brother's. I'm very superstitious, you know. Sometimes, I, you know, like I was going to wear my swag, you know, on this, but I said, this will be enough, Casey. But I'm very superstitious. Sometimes I'll change my pants during the game, you know, or sometimes I'll just walk out, you know. I mean, I'm very, you know, very superstitious. When the Steelers are, you know, they haven't been in for a while, but when they were in, I didn't like to go to a party, right? Because it took, you know, everybody's having fun and they're eating. And it's like, I just want to concentrate on the game. I remember when Larry Fitzgerald caught that pass against the Steelers and the Cardinals took the lead and uh, people were coming up to me. And I was like, I didn't want to talk to them. I was rude, you know, and I'm I rarely, but it's like, 
my team's losing, you know, <laughs> but eventually uh, they did pull it out with San Antonio Holmes getting that incredible catch. But uh, uh, before we wrap up uh, this edition of Sports Jam, I want to get a sense of the Kansas City sound. You know, various people have have talked about what that sound might be and and how they how they look at it. But for you, what is the Kansas City sound, and maybe how does it relate to the Kansas City Chiefs? The music of Kansas City. Uh, that that's when the that's when the uh, the, the walking bass kind of started up here in Kansas City. Boom, boom, doom, 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 doom. Because coming out of New coming out of New Orleans, it was like boom, doom, But the the four four, the swing, and Kansas City being a open city allowed a lot of creativity. And the thing I've loved being out here in Kansas City is I've had a chance to breathe, slow down, and uh, use some of that New York intensity that I got from being in New York out here, but kind of spread it out, you know, and just give it out in doses. Because the main thing out here in Kansas City, they want to pat their foot, you know, Everybody out here wants to pat their foot. And, and the church is a big influence. We have some incredible uh, church musicians that have gotten into jazz out here. They'll probably never leave Kansas City, but they're incredible. So it's like a kind of a, I don't know if it's a really a Kansas City sound. It's kind of a vibe. You know, the tempos are a little bit slower. You, you play less notes but you're still expressing yourself. It's not all about uh, tremendous technique. Cause in, in New York, everybody's like going louder, faster, higher, you know, more notes, blah, 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 cause you, you're, in, you're in New York, you know, so much history is made in New York and, as well as Kansas City, but in New York, it's like innovate, 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 you know, out here it's like swing, 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 swing. I think that's what it is. We swing out here. New York people go there to innovate. When I went there, I, I went there to try to innovate. You know, mm. then R. Blakey saved me. He said, man, you know, because I was into Eric Dolphy and all the great ones, and I was doing bird calls on my horn, and Art, Art pulled me on and go, Bobby, swing, please. <laughs> That's wonderful. You yeah. know, as we as we wrap up, uh, when we, we talk about the, the wonderful sounds of, uh, you're talking about tapping your toe. Well, they'll be stomping their feet, you know, for, for cheering for the Chiefs. Uh, and uh, if you want the Chiefs to win, you'll be in Bobby Watson's corner. If you want the Eagles to win, you'll be in Kevin Eubanks's corner. And both of us joined us here on Sports Jam in our recent episodes. Don't forget, Smoke in New York City, March 23rd through March 26th. That's a Thursday through Sunday. Bobby Watson Quintet back home in Kansas City, the record release party at Smoke. It'll be a great session with Bobby, Wallace Roney Jr., Cyrus Chestnut, Curtis Lundy, and Victor Jones. What an honor and pleasure it is to have the wonderful Bobby Watson join us on Sports Jam. Bobby, good luck to your Chiefs, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. Sports 
Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can hear all the past shows, including the one with Kevin Eubanks about the Philadelphia Eagles' chances in the Super Bowl at wbgo.org slash sportsjam or wbgo.org slash studios. You can also find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.